Welcome to Life's Undertakings. I'm Brad Jones. And I'm Shannon Leahy. Today is a, uh, a great day. You know why that is, Shannon? Because we're alone here in the studio, just me and you and our amazing, handsome audio engineer and a That's bottle right. of wine. It's you and I. <laughs> you and I, me and you. I don't know which is the correct way to say it, but hey, it's the two of us and our handsome audiovisual. And thank God it's more audio than visual. So life's undertaking as we look back on the year and then we look forward into the abyss, into the future, was ultimately inspired by what happens when an undertaker walks into a bar and, and sees... sits down next to the writer <laughs> and share a drink or two. A drink or 12, as I like to say in my family. Well, the undertaker's on number two and the writer's on number 12. <laughs> Brad, I am excited about this episode because it has been a f phenomenal year. Uh, I know that uh, Holidays and Hope 2019 seems like yesterday, but in fact, it was almost a year ago. And we're just days away from Holidays and Hope 2020. It's um, an exciting time. You know what? It's, it's funny because I was talking to some of the people that were at our service last year, and I think three or four of them I was talking to, and you know, it was a great conversation at the end of the evening. And I always say to them, of all the things that we do all year round, and the festivals we're involved with, the parades we, we contribute to, the churches, all the things in our community that we are involved with, Holidays and Hope is my favorite event of Ridley Funeral Homes. And for listeners who have never been to Holidays and Hope, possibly have never been to Toronto, imagine... Imagine well, that. How would you, in simplest term, define this, what is this, 21 years of Holidays and Hope? It's not a concert. I've been corrected. It's not a concert, no. But there is music. Um, I, I Honestly, I think the title tells you all it is about. It's about the holidays that are upcoming and the hope for the bereaved. Because I think a lot of people have apprehension when it comes to the Christmas season. I'll say it, you know, it's the Christmas season that people are afraid of. Um, it's the, the empty chair at their table. It's how do we decorate a Christmas tree that we've done as a family for so many years? It's who do we have to come to dinner? It's what do we say? And that's the biggest thing is what do we say? So many people are afraid that they don't know what to say or how to say it. And I think a lot of the times it's just being there, um, showing your love, your respect, your, your care for your friends or your family. And that is one of the greatest things about the Holidays and Hope service. I think it, um, it ties in so many different things from our, our inspirational speaker to the beautiful music um, that sang from, uh, from our musician for the last few years, Maria, Maria Bella from, uh, from uh, Mimico. And I think the... Uh, the candle lighting is my favorite part. And well, last year, last year I took part in the candle lighting. There's been a few years I've, I've not. Um, but last year I, I lit a candle and I lit a candle for uh, three special people. It ties in nicely to what I was thinking about with 
you missing a couple of years and not lighting a candle, it's not necessarily because you weren't in the room. There were work, there was one year or two where you weren't because, of course, you were in a hospital room. And it brings us to what we had talked about offline and before we pressed record onto, on our little uh, tape recorder here here in the basement, uh, <laughs> here, here in the morgue, where you have me locked mm. down for the past year. Some people, of course, would be really quite... Um, appalled if not repelled by even the thought that there's any kind of gift to grief but as people who know who've in fact been I won't say touched by grief who've been ravished by grief burned by grief um, reconstructed by grief broken down by grief there are gifts inside with with deep work when you think of um, grief, of course, we're not only talking about death, are we? You, we we can also experience other forms of loss. There's there's a lot of different forms of loss. You know, you have loss of your um, health. You have loss of a friend uh, when a friendship breaks down. You have loss of a job, loss of a uh, a relationship. There's a lot of different losses that we we encounter. Um, I think the and I think every single one of them is difficult, and I think every single one of them gives you a different gift. Uh, the The one gift, I think, that um, is different from all of them and is difficult to compare is the, lost, the loss of a friend or a family member, the loss through death, because it's not something you can ever repair. It's not something you can ever get back. And like one of our, uh, our guests... Um, Quite a while ago now, uh, Maggie Shields, uh, she said it beautifully, love never dies. And she's also been one of uh, your speakers at Holidays and Hope. And what I love about Maggie, and I think I might have said that um, a while back when she was here, is as a speaker, she was so powerful because number one, you fall in love with her immediately. And number two, I found in an audience of about 300 people, I think this past year, it was it was close to 500 that you had people nodding their heads because what she was saying rang so true. And it's what I like to call like the paradox of storytelling. The more personal the story, the more universal the story. So um, I'm in agreement that, that love never dies is one of those sayings that is not only a saying, it's, it's truth that you actually feel in your bones. I, I would have to agree. And, you know, Maggie is one of those special people. She's been working with us for a few years now and leading our bereavement groups. Mm -hmm. And uh, the groups that she leads, she does our, our grief walk, um, which we need to rename because it just doesn't sound right. But she also re leads our uh, bereavement group. And speaking to some of the people that have attended that group, the healing that they've encountered, uh, a lot of it is, is self-help, self but a lot of it is led by Maggie. And I think the, um, the encouragement, the love, the support that she gives is incredible. Since we're on uh, gift number one of grief and you, you went right for the punchline and said uh, the gift of grief being number one, the hardest gift to receive, to actually find, if, if it were a treasure hunt, is when, we when someone we love dies. We don't lose them. We, we lose our keys. We can... We can lose our sanity for a bit, but normally we, we find them again. But when someone we love dies, we're, we don't, they're lost to us. But even that euphemism is, yeah. is a lie because we're not going to find them again yeah, on this physical plane. We don't plane. lose somebody, right? Somebody, right. somebody physically dies. And Someone, that's, yeah. that's the difference, right? You, you hit the nail on the head. We lose some of our health. 
and we can gain it back. Uh, sometimes it's hard work and, you know, learning how to walk again was hard work. Um, I lost my dad, uh, just over a year ago now. And, um, when, when I say I lost my dad, I, my dad died. He died over a year ago and I can't get my dad back. Uh, no matter how much work I put in, no matter how hard I try, no matter how hard I think about it, um, he's dead. He is gone. When you reflect back on losing your health, and as fate would have it, that that was tempor- temporarily, what would be the gift inside of that loss at the time? I mean, your mom had been um, dead for, for a number of, of years. Your dad still was alive. But as a, as a, as a father of, of six kids, married, um, a, a business on the go, um, I know you also t- teach your girls uh, basketball team. I mean, you lost your health, you lost your mobility, you lost your ability to lead your team, be here at, at your actual business. Where is the the gift in that to be struck down by this mysterious illness that really, uh, as my mother would say, simply did not negotiate. It didn't. It didn't really ca- just very much like grief, right? It didn't care how busy you were or how healthy you were, um, this was happening. And I remember seeing you in the hospital room and you were unable to open a bottle of water. Your, your, your hands were so curled. Yeah, I had, I had no strength. Um, Where's was, the gift? I think for me, and I, you know, I think the gift is different for everybody, but for me, the gift, there was a few of them. Um, the one was realizing that I couldn't continue to do everything I was doing. I needed to take time for myself. I needed to step back and let others do some help, do some work. Um, and I think the other gift for me was was realizing the love and support of who I had and who my love and support was coming from. And I give a lot of credit to um, a lot of friends that came and visited and cheered me up. And the most of the credit I have to give would have to go to, uh, to my wife, Jody because, you know, those dark nights, those dark days when I was uh, despairing, uh, I was um, feeling sorry for myself, her words were perfect. It was, suck it up. People have it a lot worse than you. Deal with it. <laughs> wow. And you and Jody have been married for how many years? Uh, we're going on 29 now. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so she's so I think you're tough, but she's tougher. Oh, I, yeah. I, I would say any woman that's given birth to six kids is tougher than the man that's helped her. Oh, out. let's be honest. She's been married to you for oh, oh <laughs> for a very long time. The, the childbirth was 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 a relief. So look, looking back, then if we were to look at uh, the gifts of grief, then in this case, in terms of the grief surrounding losing health would be, in fact, twofold. We'll, we'll say two and three, or maybe two and two A. The gift of, can I say del- uh, self-care, where you actually were forced to physically stop and delegate and have other people take care of you, take care of your business, take care of the families you serve. And num- yeah. number... That, that, was, mm-hmm. that was definitely the hardest mm-hmm. thing, is to, to step back and let other people do what I was doing. Um, you know, to... You know, whether it was from a simple thing like coaching my basketball team, I remember being in a hospital bed and, you know, I think Jody hung up on me four times that night because our team was playing in London, Ontario, 
and she was giving me play-by-play, and I was yelling at her to tell the assistant coach that was my assistant coach at the time to take a timeout. And she just kept hanging up on me because she's like, you're not here. Let us do what needs to be done. And that was really difficult for me. And that was just coaching a 14, 13-year-old's basketball team, you know, a bunch of 13-year-old kids, and I wanted that control. So for me, (laughs) it was losing that control. control. And it was the same thing at work. It was, you know, letting the people that I worked with, and and I I never ever say people that work for me. I always say people that I work with because I don't ever ask anyone to do anything other than I would do. And it was really difficult to ask them to run our business without me. That very much reminds me of, of what the Buddhists say about finding um, solid ground. And in fact, uh, some Buddhists advocate to abandon all hope, that hope is actually a, a fallacy, the idea that the future uh, will be better, it will be brighter, but in fact to be in the present moment because the idea of control implies that we have control. And I know it sounds very, very dark, especially from a Western perspective, but if we were to drill down into that a little bit more, I think it goes, it reveals another gift of grief, like number three, is the abandonment of the fallacy of control. And I know that sounds, it sounds very like almost terrifying. Brenny Brown talks about, about foreboding joy. It sounds even worse than that, right? To look at your beautiful children, to look at your beautiful life, and then have this overwhelming feeling of like, what if I lose it? What if, you know, what if, what if someone I love gets sick or dies? And yet all of those potentials are not only potentials, but they're fact. Right. We're all going to have someone in our family die. We're going to all have somebody who has a health issue, whether it be, you know, uh, catastrophic, like a cancer that is not recoverable to a, um, you know, a major surgery that has to be taking place or a simple car accident that takes place, you know, three blocks from home. These are all things that we're all going to encounter and putting our head in the sand and saying, it's not going to happen to me is not a reality that any of us need to live with. And then you start deepening, I will say as a human being, or or you have the potential to, with a, a lot more compassion and empathy for the pain that's out there. And that's, and I would consider that, let's say, a number four gift of grief, shall we say, is not only the acceptance of a loss of control, but number four being a deepening, deepened perspective that none of us are alone in our suffering. I would definitely agree. I think the... Um, the gift of empathy. The gift of empathy is is an amazing gift. I think it's one of those things that a lot of people don't have. Mm. And it's because they've never, ever needed it. They've never, ever encountered something difficult in their life. True suffering. True suffering. Having right? your latte delivered to you uh, late is not, or for, it's not suffering. It's not <laughs> suffering, right? Like having your, your dinner not uh, the right way, your, your steak not cooked properly, your eggplant not the way you wanted it. There's all kinds of things, right? You know, someone cutting you off on the highway. You know, you don't really get a good sense of what, you know, a loss is, you know? It is one thing, speaking of empathy, gift, gift number four, 
And you were particularly empathetic and uh, patient, and you were very gentle in your advice. We used to have a saying that my my mother did not appreciate, and she didn't think it was true. And we knew it wasn't true, but it, it did help us get through. Is you know what feels better than sad is mad. And especially when you have siblings and you have wit and you have humor, and then you're also channeling ultimately what, what your father has taught you, lots of profanity, lots of, uh, of criticism of, of, of others' <laughs> judgment, all the good stuff, all those lucky charms. And yet you were always that quiet voice saying, a lot of people don't know what to say or don't know what to do, so they won't risk saying or doing anything. It's which, true. It's which, so true. Which I still uh, struggle with. And at the same time, the joys of negative bias um, is that the people who, I don't like the word got, but the people who got it, the people who actually, who understood loss and suffering, and yes, who had um, had people they loved dying, I could actually feel them hugging me in a different way. There was a depth of understanding that simply wasn't there with other people, yeah, which, I, which was a, which was a tough place to be. I, I found it very hard to be patient with people because my entire world felt like it was falling apart. It, it is, and you know, there, there's a few things I want to I want to touch on. Um, you know, I re- I remember during my mom's visitation, and this is going back a long time now, and. The one thing, years. well, yeah. Um, the one thing that I remember vividly was those that have experienced a loss, a death, were far easier to embrace because they wanted to embrace you. Mm-hmm. They wanted you to know that they were there and they had love and they had support and they knew what to say and they knew how to say things. And it, it's, it didn't diminish the friends that came and also gave me their love and their support, but there wasn't that understanding. And my mom gave me many great gifts. Um, she gave me a lot of insight into a lot of things in the short time I had her in my life. And I know there's a lot of people that had their moms for a shorter time, and I know there's a lot of people that have had their moms for a lot longer time. But the, the, the gifts that my mom gave me, the one gift that I treasure the most is the gift of being a better funeral director because of her. How did she do that? Because I got to sit on the other side of the table. I got to sit around the table beside my dad, beside my sister, beside Jody, my wife, and I got to um, listen to the funeral director, guide us, direct us, help us, and it made me open my eyes to how much of a lousy funeral director I was back then. And when I say lousy, I, I don't really mean I was terrible or horrible, but I didn't have the, the, the understanding of what a family was going through until that very day. Well, you also had the juxtaposition of... Of a, a Christmas season when your mother died. You were still in the ho- holiday season. She correct? died on New Year's Eve. On New Year's Eve. Yeah. Right? So on the cusp of a new year, new possibility, back to the Buddhist, new hope of a, of a bigger, brighter future. And 
your mom is gone. Your mom is your mom is has died. Yeah, I it and was... balancing those two worlds, and it it ties back so beautifully. And and I will say beautifully. I won't say in in a sad way, but of course it is. Does it not also reveal to you? one of the reasons why holidays and hope after how many decades still means so much to you. Well, see our first holidays and hope was, um, just, I guess it was less than 12 months after my mom had died. Mm. And it was, um, a few of us, um, that got together and thought, you know, we need to be doing something for the families we've served. And a lot of that, uh, catalyst was my mom's death. And I sat there thinking, we need to do something for the families we served. And I remember that first Christmas, that first Christmas that um, we had the Holidays and Hope. It was the very first one. We had a great speaker. We had a beautiful musician. It was held in a, a church back then. And I still can remember lighting that candle. And I remember standing at the front of the church, and I looked at the four candles burning, courage, love, strength, um, and, uh, and peace, and I had a difficult time deciding which candle I was going to light my candle from. So I have so much compassion. When, I have our, when we have our holidays and host service coming up shortly, I have so much compassion for every single one of those families that's standing at the front, staring at those four candles, because every single person sees their, their loved one in those four candles. And you have to decide which one represents them. And I think that's the beautiful fifth gift of grief is that deepened uh, ability to serve and also to choose in the sense of how to, how to live, how to die, and how to honor those. Um, the light that came for both your mom and for your dad, the light that came for, for my dad, um, is the same light that comes for, for each of us. And those people who, who can embrace that reality or at least look into that candle, into that light, and somehow live through that and from that place, that is an absolute um, gift of grief. It's, it's, it's the only way to receive that gift. I, I would have to agree. And I, on that note, um, it is signatory of us. <laughs> To have a cheers. <laughs> to have a cheers. So, you know, it, it, um, to those, to those we love, to those we always will love, and to everyone else. To the silent majority. <laughs> <laughs> and to our, din our Christmas dinner guests uh, in a few weeks, and we're checking our list for naughty and nice, <laughs> and we're probably going to only choose our naughty to <laughs> Well, come if we, to if, our, if we our... didn't choose the naughty, then you and I couldn't come. <laughs> What does that even mean? Let's our, 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 our gorgeous audiovisual person would be sitting at the end of the table by himself. Merry Christmas, Brad. Merry Christmas. And to a wonderful year that's behind us and ahead of us. And may each of us actually in, embrace the gifts of grief. So one more time.